Hi everyone and welcome to this Sunday's random replay of the Dead Zone. Well, it's not so random this time. It's because we're doing a replay of a show we did at the first of the year with author and co-host of American Ripper on the History Channel, Jeff Mudgett. Now, Jeff is a direct descendant of H.H. Holmes. You guys probably know who that is. If you don't, then you're going to find out. Really interesting and there's a real possibility that they've uncovered the true identity of Jack the Ripper. Very interesting. The book is awesome. The TV show was awesome. So we thought we would replay that, give you guys the opportunity to once again hear the evidence and draw your own conclusions. It's a really good book. It really is. And the TV show was fantastic. It, you know, once again, H.H. H. Holmes, if you don't know, you're going to find out. But, you know, the guy that had the murder castle, man, insane. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Para-X, its affiliates, or its sponsors. Dead Zone WDZR-TV Worldwide Welcome to the Dead Zone Paranormal Radio Show. back dead zone paranormal radio show with our friend jeff mudgett he'll be joining us later on this evening i'm um, talking about his book bloodstains and um, it's about uh, the murder castle he's actual he's actually well you probably know this already he's an actual descendant of hh holmes who some believe was jack the ripper so check this out you're gonna like this paranormal news <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Paranormal News. So on Coast to Coast AM, I found an article here about using hypnosis as a tool to communicate with spirit guides and understanding spiritual realms. Okay, so the person that they were speaking with uh, goes by the name of James Schwartz. And he goes on to say that in hypnotic sessions with his clients who were communicating directly with their guides, he's gleaned much information about such things as the afterlife, karma, parallel planes, and healing. When we die, the spirit continues on and experiences other realms and dimensions, he detailed. Swartz's client Danielle, working with a master guide, described her journey to a higher vibrational plane that she claimed she could simultaneously inhabit at night while her physical body remained here. This led Swartz to explore the idea that our spirits can experience parallel lives and multiple planes of awareness as we go about our daily existence. He compared our higher selves or spirit energy to a kind of power station that connects perhaps up to a hundred different simultaneous lifetimes and experiences. The guides have suggested that spirits are constantly reincarnating, he added. Swartz reached out to listeners inquiring if any were acquainted with the late Mount Shasta-based spiritual teacher Pearl Doris, who lived from 1906 to 1990, whom he believes has been coming through as his own guide. 
So I find this, uh, this topic very interesting, and I found some more articles that people have written about this. So we will go on to the next article here in just a second. All right, so I found another article on selfgrowth.com. It's called, the article is called Meet Your Spirit Guides. It's written by Michelle Baudry. So this is a pretty long article. I'm not going to read every little bit of it. So if you're interested, again, it's selfgrowth.com by Michelle Baudry called Meet Your Spirit Guides. She goes on to talk about um, that your guides love you. Your guides nudge you from time to time, registering as intuition or deja vu. They are that gut feeling that lets you know to embrace the situation or run away. They are the so-called imaginary friends you had as a child who came to play with you when you needed to not feel so lonely. Now that you are an adult, the clarity of their communication can become cloudy when you are spinning with emotional duress. Sometimes when you need them the most, you may feel the least receptive to their help. Please understand that this phenomenon generates from the human side only. Your guides always desire to help you. When you are ready to open a crystal clear channel of communication, they are right there with bells on. They love you. That is their job. From angels to zoo animals. So you may be pleased to know that angels prevail as spirit guides and your odds of having several angels looking out for you is high indeed. Keep an open mind when meeting your spirit guides for the first time. In years of helping clients meet their guides through hypnosis, I have known spirit guides to appear as angels, pulsing lights, councils of 12 in white robes, two and four footed animals, alien life forms, and every description of human being imaginable and so forth. Your guides may be a he, she, it, or they. Having a small group of several guides is common, yet you might have only one. No matter what visual form your guides take, they can and will readily communicate directly with you. So your options, you can visit a psychic reader and have them describe your guides to you. They'll be happy to deliver messages back and forth since the reader, not you, experiences them directly. With hypnosis, you have direct communication. Or you can use methods that include years of meditation, near-death experiences, and highly illegal non-prescription drugs. Do you have years at your disposal to learn meditation, or do you want answers now? Do you really want to tempt death? Do you trust hallucinogenic street drugs? I assure you there is a better, safer option, and that is hypnosis. So she goes on and on here and talks more and more about hypnosis. Like I said, I'm not going to read every little bit here to you. I'm going to go on down here. Um, what hypnosis is, please understand that the feeling of being an individual is a necessary part of experiencing a human lifetime. And for that experience, we need a conscious mind as well as the spiritually connected subconscious mind. Your conscious mind filters out the interconnectedness of all energy in the universe expressly so you can have your human experience of being an individual. Hypnosis simply sets aside the conscious part of the mind and it accesses the far larger, more powerful subconscious. In other words, set aside the conscious mind with hypnosis and its filter disengages. This opens up your senses to the spiritual world and gives you direct access to your guides. 
So easy, you do it with your eyes closed. Hypnosis is easier to do than you think, and your guys are happy to talk to you. So what are you waiting for? Meet them today. Oh, and one last note, refrain from asking your guides about money. For some reason, the very idea of money only makes them laugh. Ask them why yourself if you like. Ask them anything you like, anything at all. See, they love you. That is their job. Hello, this is Christopher St. Booth, and you're listening to The Dead Zone. So this one is called Blog of the Angels, 1001 Angelical Secrets to Share. How to Meet Your Spirit Guides. So before we get down to business, we need to cover the idea of what exactly spirit guides are. The idea of spiritual guides can be found all over the world in all different forms from all different times. The ancient Egyptians often viewed animals as being spiritual guides containing the souls of family members who had passed on to the afterlife. From the UK to China, dragons have been seen as spiritual creatures that guide their wards down certain paths. Today, in the Western world, spiritual angels are the most common spirit guides, but they can take on the form of animals. So why is connection important? Now, this may seem like a silly question for those of you who have experienced the connection before, but for those who haven't, the idea as a whole may seem a little odd. To put it in simple terms, your spirit guides are simply there to help you along your path. So how to meet your spirit guides. In this article, we're going to explore four of the main techniques used for learning how to connect with your spirit guide. Be direct and purposeful. Spirit guides can be difficult to make initial contact with. They don't just appear out of the woodwork because you ask them to. It's not like saying Beetlejuice three times. If you have to display to your guides what you want, I'm sorry, you have to display to your guides that you want and are ready for their guidance. Take some time to think about why and write down some of the reasons. Perhaps you've lost, you've become lost on your spiritual journey or need help dealing with your own emotions. There's always a reason, at least one, so take some time to look within yourself for the answers. When you know yourself why you're trying to connect with your guides, they will appear. Meditation. Following on from the previous example, you may need a method for looking inwards or for reaching out to your guides in the first place, or both. Meditation is the best tool for this. You can use a guided meditation to learn how to meet your spirit guides, or simply carry out your own meditation. Simply focus on your breathing until you reach that familiar meditative state. Once there, reach out to your guides and explain to them why you're choosing now to connect with them. Keep an open mind and see what happens. Don't begin your meditation with a set idea of how you think things will go. This brings us to our next point. Manage expectations. Learning how to meet your spirit guide isn't always what people expect. Some think that it's like the movies where spiritual angels appear on your shoulder or a small red dragon appears from the smoke. In reality, the situation can be very different. Your experience could be as minor as seeing a certain color or could be as mind-blowing as a full-on vision. But the important thing is setting your mind up to fail. Go into your meditation or other techniques knowing that it's very likely you may not experience anything in this instance. It could take 5 attempts, 12, maybe even 20. Then again, it could happen the first go. 
the trick is to expect nothing so you can appreciate whatever your guides present you with sleep or dreams believe it or not when you enter a deep sleep your body and soul naturally absorb cosmic energy from the surrounding world during this phase your heightened levels of spiritual energy allow for clearer contact with higher beings this of course includes your spirit guides the issue here is that you're of course asleep and guiding yourself can be a little challenging you have two options use some deep sleep techniques and hope that your guides appear to you within your dream or use hypnosis or guided meditation based on deep sleep and on contacting your guides that way when you fall asleep and enter deep sleep your mind will be guided to where it needs to go so I have this other article that I found on the subject this is on lonerwolf.com seven types of spirit guides and how to connect with them to many people spirit guides are entities that we choose or are helpers that are assigned to us before birth and still to other people spirit guides are parts of our higher selves that reveal themselves to us in various shapes and forms no matter what you think of spirit guides and no matter how new age or down-to-earth your understanding is it is beyond doubt that we all need guidance direction and support in life beyond our own capabilities or those who surround us spirit guides like many other elements of spirituality have been heavily sullied monetized and commercialized both on the internet and in real life but despite the apparent tarnishing of their value spirit guides are nevertheless a shared human experience spirit guides are often thought as spirits that guide us but in my experience with them they are universal forces that guide our spirits to greater clarity freedom joy and peace if you are just beginning your journey of connecting with your spirit guide keep reading so what are spirit guides our spirit guides are universal forces that are here to help us a spirit guide can be an angel animal mythical creature ancestor ancient god or goddess otherworldly entity or interdimensional being at the most basic level a spirit guide is a type of energy that is embodied in an array of different forms spirit guides are archetypal forces aspects of life with teach warn support comfort remind and reveal things that we need to learn about ourselves in order to grow do spirit guides actually exist on another dimension or are they all inside the mind well here's the thing I can't answer that for you it's one of the great mysteries of life only you can decide that for yourself you might also be wondering whether we have many spirit guides or just one personally I divide spirit guides into two categories our major guides and our minor guides major guides typically accompany us throughout our lives and help us to learn major life lessons minor guides are temporary and help with daily concerns or issues that we struggle with in other words yes I believe we have multiple spirit guides some we are born with others visit us sporadically during the course of life so my experience with spirit guides okay I've got to admit it by nature I'm a skeptical person I don't like believing something unless I'm practically hit in the face with it evidence has to basically be falling down from the sky and crushing me flat until I relent and open my eyes sorry Lee Poy, but this sounds like you until about four years ago spirit guides were just new-age mumbo-jumbo to me I ignorantly assigned them to the crystal healing and fortune-telling category in essence I judged and dismissed that which I had not yet experienced 
so it was with a great shock and awe that I came across my first spirit guide. This experience happened on a series of shamanic trips I shared with my partner, Medio. I hope I, I said that right. I went into the experience with my mind half open and half closed from disbelief. Will this actually work? A part of me wondered. But holding the intention to meet my spirit guide strongly in mind, I eventually met him, Pan, the god of the wild places. For 30 minutes or more, I saw this half man, half goat guide me down into my inner underworld. It was Pan that initiated me into my shadow work journey. But it didn't just stop there. Through the next coming years, I continued to see Pan every so often in my daily life and in my dreams. Not only that, but I continued to meet more spirit guides. The floodgates had been opened. If you are dubious about the existence of spirit guides like I was, I encourage you to at least try it before you brush it off. Acknowledge the possibility that you might be wrong. Allow a margin of error. On the other hand, if you believe in the existence of spirit guides, if you have had direct experience with them, but seek a stronger connection, you will find some helpful advice below. Seven types of spirit guides. Right now, it seems to be a common trend to believe that spirit guides are primarily animals or angelic beings, but this is only one small dimension of the many possibilities that exist out there. Spirit guides, I believe, can have unlimited shapes and forms. A spirit guide could just as easily be a soft gust of air that makes the hairs on your arm stand up, as it could be a full-blown godly being that you meet during a shamanic journey. There are so many possibilities out there, and below I will break down the main types, species, or forms of spirit guides which you might encounter on your path. Remember, you can have more than one, and most people often do. Number one is a half-man, half-beast. Many spirit guides manifest themselves as half-man, woman, and half-animal. Number two, animals or totems. Animals are well-known spirit guides and have gained a lot of popularity over the past few years, perhaps thanks to their accessibility in our everyday lives. Number three, light beings. Many people describe light beings, also commonly known as guardian angels, as being their spirit guides. Light beings are said to help people move through traumatic areas of life, such as death, loss, and grief. Number four, ancestors. Ancestral guides are entities that have some kind of blood connection to us and our lineage. Our ancestral guide could be a recently deceased member of our family, mother, father, aunt, grandfather, or a long dead relative that you have perhaps never met in your lifetime. Number five, plants. Shamans believe that the world and everything in it is composed of vibrant living energy. This includes plants. Number six, gods and goddesses. Gods and goddesses have been worshipped, feared, and written about since the dawn of time. They span across every culture, every tradition, every religion, and every part of the world. Number seven, ascended masters. Ascended masters are beings that have already lived on this earth, gone through a spiritual awakening, but have become enlightened, awakened, or have transcended, transcended the cycle of reincarnation. Thus, Ascended Masters represent the ultimate teachers and gateways to the divine. Now, this article goes on and it tells, talks about nine ways to connect with your spirit guides. Uh, they have scrying, dream work, 
silencing your mind, bibliomancy, bibliomancy, I cannot, uh, bibliomancy, I don't know, I've never heard of that one, visualization, <clears throat> plant medicine journeying, trance, nature immersion, looking for synchronicity. <clears throat> it's a pretty long article. There's lots, lots and lots here that I didn't read. Anyway, I find spirit guides very interesting. I have always wanted to connect with my spirit guide. I have tried meditation um, unsuccessfully. That I did have a, a friend of mine that I call her my my spiritual guide. She does not like to be called a medium, uh, but I get a lot of information from her. And she told me that my main spirit guide that she couldn't see a face. She just saw the color yellow. Um, so I just, I kind of picture that when I'm trying to make a connection. Now, I have had that feeling that I was being guided. Uh, sometimes I've ignored it and I wish I hadn't. And uh, other times I have followed that, what you call your intuition, your gut feeling. Sometimes it's a thought that you have. <clears throat> Excuse me. But just know that if you are getting that tingle, that gut feeling, that thought pops into your head, don't ignore it. I, I can tell you lots of stories of things that have happened. Uh, one of them is kind of a, a little bit of a creepy story. It involved me and my husband. Uh, he doesn't really like me to tell the story, so I won't. Um, but he did have a brush with death. And if I would have listened to the voice in my head and that gut feeling that told me what to do in the moment. I wish I would have, but it wasn't his time. So God spared him. And uh, it was, it was a miracle. Uh, maybe he'll let me tell you the story one day. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this all about spirit guides. There's a lot more articles out there if you're interested. Um, meditation, though, I do believe is one of the best ways to try to connect with your spirit guide. And like the one article said, it takes a while. It takes practice and a lot of patience. And you have to be very aware uh, of what's going on because you can you can very easily dismiss the, the messages, the signs that come through, the signals, um, that gut feeling that you ignore and you wish you wouldn't have. And those are all your spirit guides talking to you, trying to nudge you to do something that you need to do or not to do something that you shouldn't do. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've had any experiences with your spirit guide, you've had success in hypnosis or a meditation in reaching out to your spirit guides, Drop me a line. Tell me about it. Michelle.deadzone at gmail.com. If all radio stations in town were palm trees, we'd be the one with the biggest coconuts. Now. Here are the one, the only Dead Zone. Hey, welcome to the Dead Zone. We're back. And guess who's with us, Mr. What's your name? Jeff Mudgett. All right, man. The the natural born. Co Never mind. I'm sorry. The, uh, <laughs> um, I, got, I got a little of that in me. Yeah. Okay. Well, a little bit. Yeah. Let's hear about that. Before we get started, let's hear about that. Everyone knows who you are. Let's hear about um, where you came from. What what connected you to H H Holmes? You know, I found out when I was uh, 
and let me know if we've gone through this this part before. Okay, I but, think you know, we, we I may have. Out when I was forty years old, yeah, uh, when my grandfather when my grandfather revealed this horrible secret he'd carried alone his whole life, and he finally had enough. He knew I was practicing criminal law in California, and he figured yeah. I was the one to take over. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I I to tell you the truth I. I've been a law-abiding citizen my entire life. I, I knew I was different. I knew there were idiosyncrasies. And you're in your dream. Were you dreaming it, or or you just you felt it? Well, I felt it. I felt strange energies. Uh, I had a just a fiery temper in sports, college sports that I had yeah. to work at controlling. Yeah. That. Uh, could have could have gotten out of control. It was it was there, but I, I worked at it, and with the help of some uh, counselors uh, and drugs, we, we, yeah. we pushed it back. Yeah, but uh, there, I knew there was something different. I had no idea he was going to tell me that my great great grandfather was the most evil man in American history. Now, now, how did you find that out? I mean, how did you find that specific data out? How? Yep, yeah, that's amazing to me. That plus the fact that we'll get If all radio stations in town were palm trees, we'd be the one with the biggest coconuts. Now, here are the one, the only Dead Zone. Dead Zone. It's closed. It's time for history to move on. Yeah. Okay. Holmes wrote the Dear Boss letter. And there you go. Okay, yeah. and, and you know, I believe that too. Before you before you go on, I want to state for everyone that knows me, I don't believe that you know Jack the River quote marks I'm quoting in the air um, did all these killings. You know, I think he did a couple maybe, and moved on. I mean, that was a terrible terrible place, man. I mean, there were things that were going on every day, right? Every night there were murders. Yeah, there were murders and. Yeah. I'll tell you, when we were filming American Ripper in London, we were there in a very fancy hotel, and the film crew, the production team, history, they were all down in the, uh, in the, lawn, in the lounge crying the blues because President Trump had just been uh, elected president and they all wanted to commit suicide. <laughs> yeah. And I was up at the bar by myself, and I was approached by these two gentlemen in uh, coats and ties, very distinguished, very... Uh, very, uh, very uh, well put together. And uh, they came over, uh, Mr. Mudgett, very English accent, Mr. Mudgett, we're from Scotland Yard, we have a couple questions for you. And yes. I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah, I'm working for History Channel here, guys. I, I don't have anything to do with London. Wait a minute. And they said, no, no, we, we have been listening to your theory about who Jack the Ripper was, and we want to share with you that we agree with many of your components. We There were copycat killers involved. Oh yeah, of course. That Jack the Ripper was probably the killer of one, maybe two. Maybe two, and, maybe two. And then he coined, he coined the phrase Jack the Ripper in the Dear Boss letter. Okay. Um, they said, we think there's a good chance that it was a well-educated American doctor, mm -hmm. um, but that we've been doing some of our own research and we don't believe it was your great-great-grandfather. So as you can imagine, I was just speechless. What? Yeah. Yeah, okay. right there. And they showed me their badge. They showed me their weapons, all that stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, so while the film crew's down there crying the blues, the best thing that could have happened on American Ripper <laughs> just passed did. them by without a camera. Just did, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So you're right. 
Yeah, I I don't believe I don't believe that at all. I think all the theories are wrong. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just just the way I that's, that's what I think. I mean, there's other other women that were murdered at the you know the same time period, kind of close to the same time period. But it happened every day, right? You know every day, every night. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I mean, come on. It happens here today. It happens every night. You know, and I don't know if you recall the show at all, but we hired those two distinguished English English linguists who went through the Dear Boss letter, and they agreed that it had been written by an American trying to sound English. Oh, really? No, I didn't know. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Huh. Well. You know, and I, I ran the tests on that handwriting oh, six, seven years ago now. Yeah, and that was in the book, uh, right? The University of Buffalo, and we ran it through their computer program that the CIA and the FBI uses came back with this amazing similarity number. And you know, in all this time, in all the shows I've been on, no one has ever stepped up to contest me on that evidence. Never. No. 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 You know why? Because there's no ratings. There's no ratings in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's amazing. Though. That's that's incredible. I, I can't believe that, that, that you really did find out that you are a descendant of the original, the, the guy, the murder castle of uh, Chicago. That's amazing to me. Which makes Jack the Ripper look like minor leagues when you really dig Exactly, it. exactly, because, I mean, he, he, you know, he took a vacation, right? I'm just saying, he, he, t- he took a vacation. Uh, he, he bought the property, realizing the World's Fair was coming to Chicago. They called it the Columbia uh, Fair. But it was really the World's Fair, uh, hey. expecting millions and millions of people from all over the world to show up. To, yeah. With some of the greatest inventors of all time, you had Einstein, you had the Wright brothers, you had Tesla there, you had Edison, Everyone. they were all there. All the guys, yeah, yeah. And Holmes knew that all the young ladies would need a place to stay. So two <laughs> miles from the fair, he bought this piece of property that had rail lines on each side of it that they'd have to ride from downtown Chicago to get out to the fair. And he contemplated hanging a vacancy sign on that hotel for every one of them that didn't have a place to stay that day they had their bucket list wish come true and they made the fair. Right, now it wasn't just women though too. No, 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 he he murdered both, but mostly young women. Yeah, yeah, the easy targets, yeah. Yeah, I get it, yeah, amazing, yeah. Keep going, man, please. No, so he contemplated that. He built it up. He was uh, a master con. Uh, I mean, the Chicago Tribune called him the greatest con that ever struck Chicago, which, as you can imagine, that puts you on quite a quite yeah. a list. Yeah. And uh, well, eighteen hundreds. Uh, yeah. 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 He had he had the uh, hotel built with uh, the first floor were uh, small businesses that he owned. Yeah. The second floor was the hotel. Yep. The third floor was his living accommodations. Yeah. And then, of course, the basement was where all the torture and the experimentations and the trip straight to hell occurred. All the straight, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I've looked at all the photos, all the photographs, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's like a house of horrors, a, a real, a literal house of horrors. It's amazing. What? When people ask me to explain it, you know, in, in uh, layman terms, I just tell them, listen, we had Dr. Frankenstein here in America, in Chicago. 
Oh yeah, during the world fair. That's right. that's what it was. And um, you don't have to read a book. You don't have to go out and watch a movie. This was as horrible a story as any fiction could possibly be. Yeah. And right now we're just waiting on. There's a bunch of groups, uh, streamers, looking at making uh, more shows about it. You got Hulu. You got Netflix. Bunch of people looking at making the story and telling, finally telling the story of actually what happened. So I'm really looking forward. These next year or two, we're going to see some amazing things but I, about Holmes and the Chicago story. Well, don't you think that is a lot of like you just said, like you know, we, you know, I hate to say it, but we are friends with a lot of people on TV, and it is TV. You know, they'll say what they have to say, or, or the producers will say what they want to say. To get ratings, if you want the truth, that's, that's, that's kind of where we live. Yeah, um, if you want the truth, I, if you want the truth, then talk to the person that knows what they're talking about. Not watch it on TV and get your and fit it in the, yeah, think about what you want to think about. Think about what the real truth is. What really happened? Well, that's why I want to thank you so much for letting me come on your show that I get to explain to people why the story's never been told and it's because most people haven't ever understood that we're dealing with this evil genius who yes. we need we need to look into deeper. We need to find out what made him possible, this human demon. And then we need to make sure it never happens again. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, he's not the first one. Maybe he is the first one that's recorded. But I mean, there's people like him all across the land, man. We just oh, don't. And you know, I'm we, working now on trying to get people to help me prove this man wasn't executed. He, it was the greatest con in American history. He walked off that scaffolding and that out of that prison alive while another man was in his place. Yeah, that's what. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, that's that's my goal in life, and that's why I come on shows like yours. So you guys help me. Tell, you know, if I tell three or four more people tonight and I get them to open their mind to look at the evidence, yeah. I, I, I've accomplished what I came on your show to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I agree with you. You know, it's, it's so much of a media hype. They want this thing is here, this thing is captured now, it's gone, relax, move on. But it's not true. Right? I'll give you an example. And uh, to, to, let me preface it by telling you, uh, I worked with history for nine months on American River, and I don't know if you watched the show or any of your assistants there watched, but the first seven episodes were some of the best television I've ever seen. The recreations, yes. the, actor that, the actor that played Holmes and Jack the Ripper was incredible. You should have won an award. Yes. The facts were great. My co-host, Amaryllis Fox, was just top-notch yeah. ex-CIA agent. She's married to Kennedy now. Oh, but yeah. It, uh, okay. she, oh, yeah. She's she <laughs> on me up. And yeah. uh, we, uh, it was a great team to work with. That last episode just collapsed into chaos. Mm. And I still haven't figured it out why, but right now I'm in the process of showing the world and history where they got it wrong, trying to talk them into reopening it and redoing that eighth episode so that we can show the world that no, the DNA didn't match. Well, it wasn't a match with my father's and my DNA. 
The dental records were falsified by the killer. That's what he did for a living. He used to falsify dental records and go claim life insurance policy. Didn't he do that in the very first one he admitted to was he had admitted to killing his partner? For That's right. insurance fraud. He used to make for, a couple hundred grand a year doing For an insurance fraud. Yeah. 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 We've got a skeleton that was six inches too short, which yeah. no physiologist, no anthropologist will stand up with their hand in the air and, and tell you that was possible. It's right. impossible. Right. And then we have no neck trauma, no trauma from hanging to the vertebra. And that would be obvious, right? And, and I'm just trying to get somebody like history, somebody there that may be listening to your show tonight to go, you know, we got to fix this. We can't have another Amelia Earhart debacle. We have to tell the truth. Yeah. But they like it so much because, you know why? Once again, it's ratings, man. It can go on forever as long as it's there's a question. It's another TV show. It's another TV show. It's another TV show, you know. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. That's the way. I mean, really? That's the truth. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I know that last episode had almost two million viewers, which is three times more than Ghost Adventures. Did <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, I mean, that's, it was just widely uh, looked forward to that final episode. Yeah. And if they came out now and they advertised, listen, we've taken another look at this evidence. We, we got to do it again. How many people would watch that episode? <laughs> well, you know. Once again, it's TV. It's television. And most people, well, I shouldn't say most people. Some people realize that it's television. They do this for the ratings, and some people don't. You know, some people are like, oh, this is, this is oh my God, this is real, and I can't go sleep now because there's a demon under my bed. Under my bed. I mean, come on. It's, anyway, I think we're kind of, kind of getting off subject here but um yeah i agree with you and i think people should take a closer look at what has been going on for years and realize no everything that we've been told it's just been something someone else has made up and it's just it isn't isn't real is that right I tell you what, I'm, I'm looking forward. This summer, I'm doing. I'm going to be at the event up your way uh, with Tim and Brad, and um, they've got me on a panel. And we'll be discussing with other uh, expert serial killers. Yeah. And I tell you what, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a move into true crime for the event, and I think mm-hmm. it's a great move on their part. Oh, is that? Um, are you talking about um, coming to? Um Give me a moment, please. I've been really sick for the past three or four weeks, actually. Um, Brian L. Ward, his uh, event he puts on. The Michigan Paracon up, I, up at uh, Sault Ste. Marie. I don't know if, that, if he does that or not. It's kind of the same thing. It's it's more or less a serial killer horror event that goes on. He puts on, I don't know, I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but I would love to <laughs> love to hear it. I mean, I know we're going to be at Psycon uh, uh, in Ohio and uh, Fright Fest in uh, Fort Wayne, so we'll be close to you, I think. Yeah, good, good. I, I tell you what, I really enjoy those shows. I get to 
meet a lot of people that want to assign a copy of my book and uh, and ask me some great great questions and every time I go to one of those events yeah someone gives me an idea that I got to run home with and just uh, and check that out. out hanging out to see how it works and use some of the stuff is really incredible it the is ideas really incredible. I get. yeah I'd love we, we we would love to have one of those books we we don't have one of those books we'd love to have one but we'll get one of those someday yeah yeah so you as a whole, you believe there was only two that was Jack the Ripper and that was caused by Mr. Holmes, or his his real name, um, what's it, uh, Herman? Herman Webster Mudge. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm willing to testify about the evidence that we've discovered and about my proof that he wrote the Dear Boss letter and he murdered Catherine Eddowes. Okay, and then he got nothing, back. Nothing he, else. Nothing else. I can tie him to. And he now got, Elizabeth Elizabeth Stride is a possibility, but I don't have any evidence um, tying him to her. Elizabeth Stride isn't, and she's the one that. Um, no, it was Annie Chapman. Annie Chapman. Annie Chapman was. Annie Chapman was the one that he was supposedly interrupted with, right? Uh, Chapman and uh, Nichols, the first two. Yeah, the first one. The, I'm convinced Holmes read about while he was in London in all the papers. Right. So it wasn't um, just, it wasn't just a normal, you know, I hate you, 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 you know what, and just cut her and run. They made it into a fact that she was a uh, accident, and they went on to kill this other person. I don't believe that. See, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Well, the great thing about Dear Boss and Catherine Edwards is he actually discusses removing her ear. Okay. The next, the next, the next one he was going to murder, and then he did. Okay. And um, that's why when you go to uh, Edwards, yes. yes, they all think that's a journalistic hoax. Hmm. That um, that. The Dear Boss was written by a journalist in order to raise the ratings by the papers. But then when you get into discussing that removal of the ear and how the British police did not allow Dear Boss to be released to the public until after the Catherine Eddowes murder, it makes that journalistic hoax theory kind of dry up and wash away. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what I was trying to say was I really don't think that he was the one responsible for... I guess it was Annie that was the first. She like like really quick and gone, and then all of a sudden, a few months later, the same what two hours later, maybe an hour later, um, Stride was found, completely gutted. Nichols and Chapman were a few weeks before the Dear Boss letter was written. No, no, not Amy. I'm talking about uh, Annie Chapman, right? Was she the first? Yeah, those are the first two. You're talking. I'm talking about Catherine Eddowes, okay. who was number four, and then Elizabeth Stride was number three, and she was murdered 40 minutes before Catherine Eddowes. She was three. Oh my God! Well, I'm yeah. getting. I'm getting. Every, number three. I'm getting everything confused there. I know there were two. I know there was at one point. Uh, according to theory, he was interrupted, so he basically cut her throat and let her go. She was dead. Okay. And then went down the road and finished his job with someone else. I don't believe that was him. Uh, no, I don't 
wrong either. I, I agree with you. Plus, she wasn't. Uh, she had no injuries to her abdomen like the other uh, victims did. Right. And when you when you brought up earlier in your show here tonight, yeah, there were murders like that every night. Every night. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is a stretch. And I mean, there's so many. There's there's so much more. I mean, there's women from 1887 to uh, 1891 that are ripper victims that that, that weren't, right? Yeah, it, uh, when you, uh, my co-host uh, Amaryllis Fox and uh, the detective we hired in Chicago to assist her in her research here in the archives here in Chicago, they found uh, two or three murder victims along the lake that had the same injuries as the Nichols and Chapman murders in Whitechapel. Okay, what time was that? In Chicago there, you mean? Yeah, yeah, about 91, 92. 91 or 92? Well, well, it'd be, well, it'd be a cupcake killer then. 1891 yeah. or 1991? <laughs> funny, thing, funny thing is, though, the Chicago police were so overworked because of the fair they listed those as suicides. You mean eighteen ninety one? Same time as yeah. the yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But he did admit that he did murder his his apprentice, his his buddy, his partner, and that's it. He wouldn't come. He wouldn't come up with any more other than the fact that we know we think there was at least two hundred more. The number, the number will never be determined accurately. I, when I go on shows and I'm asked how many do you think he killed, I'm, I, I, I try to answer it like this. He, he was a master of forensic science. Yep. He was probably the greatest genius ever at eliminating evidence of murder and never leaving anything behind which could point a finger to him. Well, he had help so, too, though, right? I mean, he had other oh, people yeah. working for him, yes. He could, he could talk other human beings into heinous events they never would have committed without him being present. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I try to explain to people. When, when I was working with the anthropologists and the archaeologists of the University of Pennsylvania who were court-appointed to ID the... Remember when we dug up the grave to exhume to see if it was Holmes or not? Yes. I kept explaining to them, <laughs> be, be careful with the evidence. Be careful with the evidence. This was the master of all time at laying evidence to fool police he, investigators. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and they never, they never would take my word for that. And now. Three years after the show, now they're starting to admit to me, you know, Jeff, you were right. <laughs> You're right. I did see that that you had posted earlier, uh, was was it a couple of days ago, maybe? Um, in, in the gravesite, he had a cross laying on him. Is, is that true? Oh, yeah. We found, the, we found the cross on top of the uh, sarcophagus with the name... The alias, the criminal alias, H. H. Holmes. Right. After he supposedly had confessed his sin, begged forgiveness, and converted to Catholicism, then decided he was going to God with a criminal alias instead of his God-given name. <laughs> wow. Wow. What, what did that? What did that do to you when you saw that? I mean, that's that's like, are you kidding me? Come on, yeah. man. 
That's, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big joke. It's, it's awful. But that's your family heritage, right? <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> I mean, me. Hey. You know, two of my, two of my, my grandfather and my father, they were both war heroes. My uh, great grandfather was a mayor of a town in Florida. I doubt if you dug up their records, you could find even a citation for jaywalking. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> which, is, which is another, which is another thing we need to look at. Yeah. Because you know, you read, so, you see so many television shows, you read so many books now about how these evil genes are passed along. Yeah. I think my family proves not. I think it proves it's a choice you make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you're and right. this man decided to play God. You're, right. you're absolutely right. Yes, we all, we all of us, all our crew here, I'm sorry they're not all here, but, you know, things happen. Um, we do agree with that. I mean, we each have different values, different uh, looks on what we're talking about right now, for example. But what you just said is absolutely true. It depends on the person. It's not where you come from it's, it's not you no, no exactly it is you it's not your family sorry no I, and that's why I like studying him because this isn't a Bundy this isn't a Gacy this isn't a Zodiac killer this it's was the, a man it's, it's the same who, thing though I mean who had one of the highest IQs at the University of Michigan Medical School ever recorded he could have been a Louis Pasteur had he wanted to be he you, wanted to harm young ladies Okay. He wanted to kill people. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. And he was interested in making money any way he possibly could. Mm -hmm. And he enjoyed the heck out of it. What an easier way, <clears throat> excuse me, to make money than to kill, without warning, the innocent. And make money off of them, right? It's the easiest way to do it in the world. Well, then the stories I dig up repeatedly about young ladies, beautiful young ladies falling in love with him, even when they knew something wasn't right. The, there's a story about a, uh, when the, uh, the, the jury announced the uh, guilty verdict and then the judge announced the sentence of death. Um, okay. There were there yeah. were women in the stands uh -huh. who the press reported had crocodile tears rolling down their cheeks. <laughs> they hung his ass in what? 18, uh, what is it? Um, 1896? 94. 1894? I thought it was... 95. 95. Yeah, he was executed in May of 96. 96. Oh, they hung him in 96. Yeah. Hmm. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what well, I'm trying to prove never happened. They hung that person in 19, yeah, 1896, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's uh, we're going to get a chance to tell it. I just, as you know, television and movie works around budgets now. Of course. And I need to have someone with the courage, um, President Trump would say balls, to step forward and help me make you know, the greatest story never told mm -hmm. about this horror that was right here in America. We don't we don't need to go to Europe to find a Frankenstein. We don't need to find a Dracula. We had it right here. Yeah. He has a real deal right here. And we still the do. Real deal. And we still do. Yeah. 
That's amazing. That's really cool. Truth is, though, they don't care because it's already been made and they want to keep making it and they want to keep doing little kids, keep coming up and coming up and coming up and they make different fucking... Oh, excuse me. Mark that. They keep uh, doing different horror stories and scary stories and it's, it's not going to matter because all, they, all they're concerned about is the scare factor and how much money they're going to make on their ratings. I mean, I just got back from Buffalo doing a show. No one cares. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. No one cares. <laughs> I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to figure out why Scorsese and DiCaprio, who owned the rights to The Devil in the White City, walked away from. It. Man, well, that I couldn't tell so, you. So did Tom Cruise. So did Tom Cruise. I couldn't tell you. But that is so cool. I mean, there for the longest time. I mean, you're talking about your your uh, your your thing came out with them. Um, American Devil or American Ripper. That was all. That was all anyone can think about, right? That's all anyone talked about. Is like is this, that, and everything, and now that's moved on and something else, and like you know, that's the way it is. It, it seems. It seems. It seems. I'm sorry, but it you know, it seems that way. And no, I, I think you're right. Stuff is so fast now. Yeah. It's uh, next week. There'll be new news for yep. us to discuss. Yeah. That we have no idea what's coming. We don't even know what's going on. We don't. We know. We wait for the next big thing to come across because we're told it's really cool and we got to check this out. So we do, and we think, oh my gosh, now the season's over. Oh my God, what are we going to watch now? I, you know, it's just TV, man. It's just TV. <laughs> this, however, is not. This, or I really like this. I like this book. I like this this entire concept about the fact that there was not a ripper that did all these murders. There was a ripper that did a couple of these murders, maybe. Most of these were just common day, every, you know, every, every day. The same kind of thing that happens around here. That's the way it was. That's the way it always has been. The media picked up on it. They called him Jack the Ripper, and it's stuck, and it's been that way for ever since. Is that terrible? Well, is had, that, is that had, terrible? You're exactly, you're exactly right, and you had the master of media manipulation, Holmes, write that dear boss letter that just launched the whole story. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, that's what shut it off. I don't even know. Maybe maybe even he, he didn't do it. Maybe it was a part, a member of the media. And said, you know what, let's call him Jack the Ripper. And that, boom, there it went. Who knows? It's a great title. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's, it's great. It's awesome. And there'll be one like it, but uh, I don't, you know, I still don't buy it. I don't get it. I think your theory holds up more than that theory does. Anyway. Well, well like I told you, that's what Scotland Yard believes too, so. Yeah. Well, why is it still out there then? Oh, a couple billion dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Hey, I'm going to let you go. I um, hope you guys enjoyed. This is Jeff Mudgett. He's the author of Blood Stains. J uh, <laughs> excuse me. I'm sorry. <coughs> 
Holmes, the murder castle of Chicago. If you guys don't know anything about it, then you need to Google it, look it up, check it out. Plus, there's a possibility, and one that he and I both believe in, that at least one or two of the murders in London could have been the real Jack the Ripper. So check that out, please do. What's your uh, website address? Uh, bloodstainsthebook.com, but uh, if you Google up Bloodstains, we're on the whole page. It's uh, we're on the we're on the self-published Hall of Fame now. So if you'd like to find a copy of Bloodstains, they're easy to do out there. We also are on uh, Audible with Amazon on digital, and we've got an Emmy Award-winning actor, Tim Estes, reading the book, and he does a great job. It's a lot of fun to click into the into the car while you're off on a long drive and listen to the story. Oh my gosh! Is that the guy? I saw you uh, posted on Facebook, uh, you know, dressed up with the uh, bowler and the and the tweed jacket and everything. Oh yeah! Well, I went, well, I went with him when he won his Emmy. Yeah. That was him. All right, very cool. All right, guys. So there you go. Check it out. We're gonna have. Will you come back? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We would love to have you back. There's so much more I want to talk about again. We've gone through this last time. We went through it, and we're going through it again, and there's so much more that I just want to just dig into. You know what I mean? Well, i got to tell you, there's some new stuff coming up that I think is going to shock the world, so uh, keep your eyes open. When you see it pop up, get a hold of me, and let's uh, let me come on and discuss the finer details that major media passes over and uh, you and I can uh, tell the real story. Okay, let's do that. Are you ready? You want to do it? Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thanks Jeff. a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Jeff Mudger, guys. Good night. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. This is the Dead Zone Paranormal Radio Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.